Good morning, 8 o'clock. Good morning, 8. <clears throat> I have a real challenge this morning looking at a guy behind the camera, Joey Prince, wearing his Bulls supporters t-shirt. How audacious of an elder. I sense the word for you, Joe, is, you know, from 1 Corinthians 14, you know, whatever edifies the church, you know. But um, today it's my great joy to carry on our series through the book of Mark and what a treat it's been personally. And just to enjoy being close to Jesus through his word, getting to hear about him, getting to see what he was like, in a sense, putting flesh on him for our faith. And so if you have your Bibles, won't you please open up to Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 20. And uh, it is up on the screen if uh, you don't have ready accessibility to that section of Scripture. But I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Friends, Jesus has been preaching a lot up until Mark chapter 4. And uh, 
we see that there's this mixed response to his teaching. And we see this mixed response to Jesus' preaching in this parable explained in the parable of the sower. We have seen thus far in just these three chapters prior to the start of chapter 4, we see that some responded really well to Jesus' preaching. They were called disciples. They, be, they believed his words, particularly those amongst the sinners and tax collectors. We have those that just came for the show. Jesus was an amazing guy to be around because you weren't quite sure what was going to happen next, right? There could be some demonic voice coming out of person and he delivers them, or maybe there was a withered hand and he just with the command. Jesus did amazing things. And uh, it's so interesting for me, listening to Joe's section last week, did you pick it up in verse 8 of chapter 3? It said, when the crowd heard all that he was doing, not what, what, he, what he was saying, they weren't interested in what he was saying, what he was doing, they came to him. They wanted the show. There were some that were blatantly anti-Jesus and his message. They were the scribes from Jerusalem. I mean, how awful is it to say when the Son of God is demonstrating his power through miracles and authoritative teaching to say it's Satan, it's demonic. They were committing the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that unforgivable sin. But then there were also those that for a time liked what Jesus was saying until his message changed. Later on, he would say, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. And it said, basically, everybody except the 12 were left. And he said, you're going to go too? And they said, where else are we going to go, Jesus? You alone have the words of life. And there were those that the cares and the worries and the riches of this world had so choked out their hearts. We'll read about in, in Mark chapter 10. This rich young fool, he was so wealthy, he had everything. And Jesus says, you lack one thing, go and sell everything you have and come follow me. He couldn't do it. Now friends, I want to point out to you today, this parable is very, very powerful. And we have to understand, please listen to me carefully this morning. We have to understand this parable in order to understand all the others. Jesus said this, do you not understand this parable in verse 13? How then will you understand all the other parables? What Jesus is saying in this parable is, if you want to understand the secrets locked in, all the other parables to follow, you need to understand this one. This is the one you have to get right if you are going to get anywhere in the kingdom. Now, I want to point out to you, though, that these parables have come in at a very important time in Jesus' life. Please listen to me carefully. Jesus has been preaching a lot. And now all of a sudden in verse 1 of chapter 4, he changes his preaching. Before this point, he was preaching as plain as day. Jesus was saying, come, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Your king has arrived. The Messiah has arrived. And he's saying, you have to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. He is being as blunt as daylight. And Jesus is so clear when that paralytic is being let down from the roof, what does he say? In order to show everybody in this room that I have authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. He is showing these people through blatant speech, through blunt miracles, through, through, through the most uh, 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 accessible lights of who he is and why he's coming, how they need to respond. But up until now, the response has been so poor. And Jesus decides he's going to change his preaching with good purpose. Suddenly, what was becoming so clear in chapter 4 of Mark becomes parabolical. 
much harder to understand. What was so easy in the beginning has become increasingly difficult for those who are listening to Jesus. And friends, my opening point this morning, and I hope this grips your heart as it's gripping mine, is that Jesus' priority is teaching. If you open up the book of Mark, it was not his miracles, it was not his deliverances, it was his words that mattered. It was his words. Listen to verse 1. Again, he's saying he, he did this over and over. Again, he began to what? He began to, to teach. And he was teaching them how many things? Just a few things? He was teaching them how many things? Many things, right? And it says, when it comes to the teaching, he says, listen, guys, listen. I, this is so important for us today, church. I want to open up this first point with a question to you this morning. Are you more interested in Jesus' works than his words? Are you more interested in your relationship with Jesus in your life, in the works you need him to do for you, or the words that he has commanded you to obey? Because this is my concern when I look at what normal Christianity and our gener every generation has got weaknesses and strengths. I'll tell you what our weakness is. And mind you, it hasn't really changed very much. Our weakness is this. We have a kind of faith that only relates to Jesus because of our need for him to do stuff for us, his works. We are not a generation, church, that are interested in his words. And friends, this gospel... It comes to you as a message. This gospel comes to you. There's something that you must understand and you must believe. And unless you understand and respond to a message, this power of the kingdom is not going to come into your life. And what Jesus is after are people who follow him not simply because of his works. I'm not downplaying them, but they're following him because of his words. When his disciples were challenged to say, are you going to go to Everybody else is leaving me. They're not happy with my message. What did they say to Jesus? Where else are we going to go? Because you alone have the words of life. They stuck with Jesus because they were interested in his words. Are you? Because let me tell you what you are up against. You are up against a kind of Christian pseudo-faith that says, we relate to Jesus because we need a car, or we need a job, or we need a healing, or we need him to work. All of that is fine, but friends, is that all your faith is? Is that Christ comes and he's a guy that you need him to do certain works for you, and as long as he's doing his certain works, you're happy? Or are you interested in the radical message of a word that's conforming us to an entirely new way of living? And his authority into your life is for life change, my friend. He's not the slot machine that's there to just help you get through this life and make it and getting all your checklists of things. No, my friends, are you checking into his words? Are you just interested in his works? Because, friends, miracles on their own are useless unless they are attached to the message. Do you know what miracles are? And we believe in miracles. We pray for healing. We pray for God to come through for work. And he answers those things. But friends, that is not the essence of our faith. Miracles are mere object lessons to affirm and confirm the power of the message of Jesus Christ. Are you interested in that message this morning? Because miracles without the message are useless. They're useless. And this is what the parable wants us to see this morning. It stresses 
that what Christ wants you to prize in your life are not just mere experiences with him. He wants you to prize his living words. This is the sower coming in and throwing his seed, and he's stressing in this parable. You must remember the parables are, are generally one-sided. They're not giving you balanced doctrine. They, they are enforcing one major point that he needs you to see, one side of the coin. And on this side of the coin, Jesus is stressing is, you need to make sure that you are interested in responding to his words well. And friends... You only bear fruit in your life for Jesus, according to this parable, by how seriously you will take his word in your life. That's the first point. Is Jesus' priority is his words, it's his teaching. My second point is the highest honor. Man, I'm going straight for the heart this morning because, friends, what Jesus is offering you is worth more than the lotto. <laughs> It's worth more than what your cars and your houses and your promotions and your work, they are nothing in comparison to the honor of what Christ is offering the human being this morning if we will take seriously his words. Let's see how he puts it in verse 11 and 12. It says, and he said to his disciples, these are the ones that have, that have stayed with him. The others have gone because the miracles are done. Oh, but those that are interested in following Jesus' word, they come and ask him, explain the parable. What does he say to them? He says to them, to you, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Friends, that phrase, to you it has been given the secret of the kingdom, that is profound. Can I tell you what the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a human being is the moment the living Spirit of God brings revelation into their life. Unless that happens, it's impossible to understand anything about the kingdom. I, I hope that sinks in for you this morning. It's a huge challenge for me the worth of God coming to your life and opening up the secrets of the kingdom and saying, this is my revealed truth to you. It is the honor of God unlocking himself, his works and his ways, an invitation to participate in his eternal purposes and plans. Oh man, it is a secret. And friends, every time truth is revealed to your heart, can I say it's God sharing his secrets with you? It is him drawing you in and saying, come, let me tell you about what the flesh cannot show you. What the mere natural intellect cannot understand. You know, I was thinking about these words from John chapter 3. We often think you must be born again. But listen to what John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot, he cannot, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Listen to this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Paul translates this, translates this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, And we impart the, this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting 
spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. He says, the natural person does not accept these things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Friends, doesn't matter how it comes to you. It might come through your daily Bible reading. It might come through to you in a sermon. Right now, God is getting your attention. Right now, God is speaking to your heart. Right now, God is priming you to receive something from Him. Friends, it is the greatest honor that this world can offer you is when God comes and He says, here is something about myself that is being shown to you and revealed to you by the living Spirit of God. Money cannot buy it. Good works cannot buy it. Intellect cannot achieve it. Naturally, friends, it is a grace gift from God when the seed falls into your heart. And what he's saying is you've got to prize it with all you've got and how you respond. is life-changing. It's life-changing. And the point that I have to point out to you is this revelation that God brings into your life mustn't be taken for granted this morning. Because there's a spiritual principle at play here in Mark chapter 4. And it's this. Please listen to me carefully. The longer truth is resisted, the harder it becomes to discern. You all hear that? The longer truth is resisted, the harder it becomes to discern. Up until Mark chapter 4, Jesus is preaching as plain as day. But because of the rejection of these people listening to him and their rejection of his words. They loved the works. They hated the words. Well, mind you, not everybody loved them if they're on the Sabbath. But this is the point. This is the point. Church, this is the point. Is eventually their hardness of heart made it harder and harder for them to hear. And it wasn't that Jesus was getting easier and easier in the hope that they would believe. It was getting harder and harder. He switched to parables as a form of judgment People say he was a good storyteller. The reason why he was a good storyteller was to lock up the kingdom. It wasn't that we might better understand it. Is that suddenly you're having to try and look at meanings through pictures and, and obscure metaphors and trying to, and, and when you read the parable, you're often left going, what does this mean? That's the point. It's because God is actually, through Christ, upping the judgment of their rebellious hardness of hearts. It is getting harder for these guys but for the disciple who's interested in the words of Jesus, he says, well, to you, to you who are interested to come and you're responding according with the soft soul we're going to see. You're coming and you're interested in my words. Oh, I will open up the meaning for these parables. There's, there's a counterintuitive thing that's happening here. I don't know if you, if, you, if you can see it. Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 24 to 25, he says, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What Jesus is saying here is in the kingdom, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Do you know that? Poverty in God's kingdom is to be negligent to respond to his revelation. Even what you have will not stay forever. That light that you can see of God saying, this thing I want you to see and respond to and match it with faith, match it with obedience, hold it as we will see. This thing will not last forever if you just put it on the side and say, oh, well, that's not that's really, I'll get to it tomorrow. Or I'll, 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 there are a million other reasons why I shouldn't respond to that. Friends, the more you do that, the harder it is to see. And it can happen that even what you have is taken away. The poor get poorer in the kingdom. 
but the rich get richer. In other words, Jesus says, the measure to which you use these words, so it's going to be paid back to you in greater revelation, in greater understanding, in greater participation in the kingdom, and greater reward. There's going to be fruitfulness and 30, 60 to 100 fold. Friends, today I hope that you are motivated to take seriously the word of God coming into your life because the payback, it's exponential if you'll take it seriously. Can I just get an Amen. <laughs> I am so excited. You must remember, God knows how to deal with us weak, silly human beings. If he makes the offer, it means it's real. It's there. It's available to you. But I don't want to talk about the four soils just yet. Because in a sense, you've got to see the worth of why it's so important to respond. And today, friends, the highest form of judgment upon a soul is to veil. is when God veils the understanding. But the highest honor is for the one who sees the value of this word of God coming to their life. This revealed word of God. And they latch onto it with their hearts. As fast and as determined as possible. And the results are glorious. It's glorious. So let's look at these different responses with the time that we have left. My third point is let's, the different responses. And verse 15 says, the sower sows the word. And I want to point out a few things here that are very important. The first is, there is nothing wrong with the seed. That's, that's profound. There's nothing wrong with the seed that's being sown. It's not that one gets genetically modified and one doesn't. <laughs> it's pure. And I, I just want to encourage those interested in preaching and to pray for the preaching and Sunday services right from the very start. Everybody hears the same word, but the responses are all so different. You can put confidence in God's revealed word to you. That's the first. And the second thing is, all of these people in the parable, they can hear. Right even from that hard soil, the path, it says, when that person hears, immediately Satan takes away. But the point is, whether it's the hard soil, whether it's the rocky soil, whether it's the thorns, whether it's the good soil, they can all hear. And friends, we are talking about those who have received revelation. We're not talking about those, which is a scary place to be. Don't you think it's scary every time you hear Jesus at the end of the parable say, like in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, these ears, we've all got them, but they're not going to help us in understanding truth. The problem is, do you have spiritual ears? And in this parable, every single one of them do. They can hear. They can understand the word. But the problem is not the word or the seed. The problem is not the fact that they don't have ears. They can hear. The problem is the heart. That's the problem. That's the problem. And friends... As we talk through this, I want you to be like myself this morning and ask, where do I fall? Which soil is in my heart this morning? Well, the first that we see, the first response to the sowing of the seed is a hard heart. Verse 15, it says, and these, when Jesus, in, now this is wonderful. He interprets the parable for us. It's fantastic. And he says this, he says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, they hear, 
Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. It's in them. It's an internal sowing of God's revelation. Now, friends, what is Jesus saying? Is this you this morning? Are you hard-hearted? Remember a path. Don't know how many of you have done a walk recently or, or a hike, and you have to stick on the path, right? That soil is rock hard. Virtually nothing grows in it. And it's a picture of what a hard heart is like. The seed comes in, sown into the life, but it's so hard, it can't penetrate, it can't plant in any soil. In actual fact, it's like hitting a brick wall. It bounces off. Now, this is the kind of person who hears the word and understands it, but immediately shuts himself off to it. And they do it in a particular way. Please listen to me carefully. They shut themselves off either by offense or ridicule or intellectual arguments. There's an inner lawyer that comes through. And because of this, which is actual fact, the real root of our hard heart is pride. It's pride. And there's a demonic influence that happens because of that. Because of this unforgiveness, because of this offense, because of this manifestation of pride and scoffing. It's, it's, it's pride of the intellect and, 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 and pride of the ego and, and, and pride of life, as 1 John says. It creates a space for Satan to operate in the mind where as soon as that word comes, because of that pride, Satan's able to inflame the ego inflame the intellect, inflame the sense of uh, self-righteousness, and in that moment, snatches the word. This is the Pharisees. They blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you, how open are you to people speaking into your life from the word of God? It's not people's opinions I'm talking about. For a sermon, are you easily offended? Do you easily pick up and change churches within seconds because you just can't seem to find a space where people tell, tell, tell you really what you want to hear? Do you get angry easily? Do you have an argument every time something comes up and is pointed out in your life? Are you hard to reach? And sometimes you have to ask the people around you because you can't see it. And friends, today I, I want to just nudge a little bit here. Is there any bitterness inside of you? Any unforgiveness, it's the playing ground for Satan because the spirit gets grieved in that heart. And what happens is when the spirit's trying to come in, it struggles because the atmosphere is so toxic. And I really just want to ask, you will see it as a pattern. You will see it as a pattern in your life. I, I, it's almost, I'm trying to be helpful here. The best way is to look back and say, do I get angry quickly? Do I leave small groups? Do I leave churches? Do I, do I have, uh, is there always an issue that comes up with other? Do people have to walk on eggshells around you? Friends, if that's you, you are in real danger because you are one of the hardest to reach. And if you can recognize that atmosphere around you, you can recognize by the grace of God. You've got to do work. Because it leads to ruin. Well, I must move on quickly. 
Uh, might I just give some courage here? I'm talking to the one who is not yet a believer. Are you offended by the gospel that you're a sinner in need of grace, that without Christ you are hopeless, you're going to go to hell? You need him to change your life by responding to him in faith. Friends, that is the essence of the gospel, is that it's coming at you, and if you take offense of it, you will not believe it. But the same is true for the Christian we have to meekly receive the implanted word. God's going to come and bring words to your life, whether it's through others or the preaching of God's word or through the Spirit coming to you through the Bible. Friends, when that comes, how you respond is important, and James calls for meekness. It's the opposite of pride. It's a posture of saying, I'm willing to be reached. Well, the second one is rocky hearts the rocky heart. So the first is a hard heart. The next one's a rocky heart. And Jesus interprets it like this. He says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Is this you this morning? What's a rocky heart? It's someone who is seeking experiences only. Do you notice the emotion that comes through? They hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. There's an emotional response. Uh, <laughs> this happens quite often. They, you arrive in an atmosphere of Jesus meeting. So there's some miracle that happens or there's some wonderful atmosphere of the preaching of God's word. I'll give you an example of the best thing that, I, I, that has happened in my life to, to categorize this. There was a lady, we started a prayer meeting at work and a couple of Christians and myself, we got together and we started to pray once a week. And we would invite people in. And this one lady came in. And for the first week, she was weeping. We were praying. We shared God's word. And there was an atmosphere of power. There was an atmosphere of life. She came the second week. There she was crying again. The third week, we shared something from God's word that called for life change. And she didn't like She never came back again. You see, this, these are people that are led by feeling good. Is your heart rocky? That means it's relating to Jesus on the terms of how good he makes you feel. And if he doesn't make you feel, well, then you leave. When the persecution comes, when the tribulation comes. And guys, I have to, I'm being very bold with you this morning. Uh, I, I want to say this is the 21st century church. If it makes me feel good, I'll stay. But if it challenges me, I'm finding somewhere else. And I want to point out to you this morning, friends, we must follow the example of our master. Do you think it felt good when Jesus was on the cross? Do you think it felt good when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he had to choose to say your no to my request for you to take away the cup, Father, is as good as your yes? Do you think it felt good when he arrived up in his hometown, there's Nazareth, and, and the people are so full of unbelief. These are people he grew up with. They saw him never sin. They saw him love his family perfectly. They saw him being an honorable son and a faithful, a faithful uh, obedient person to the Lord. But this car was blameless. And yet when he came to preach his words, not just his words, his words, they rejected him. Friends, if your life is driven by, oh, I'm okay because God makes me feel good. Friends, it's never going to go anywhere. 
Now, I am not downplaying emotion. What I'm asking of you is, what are you going to align your emotions to? Because you can hear and see things with joy. That was, it was a renter crowd. These guys came to see Jesus and they saw his works and they thought, wow, this is so exciting. I might get some free bread. I might get to see a leg grow. I might see a withered arm come forth. This is so scintillating and so sensational, but it's so unspiritual when it doesn't get converted to obedience to the word. That's the point. And we are up against a culture called postmodernism that says, if it makes me feel good, it's truth. If it makes me feel bad, it's not truth to me. Friends, that is a blatant, catastrophic lie. Do you know what Jesus experienced? Of course he was emotional. I'm not talking about a suppressed robot here. Where he found his fullness and satisfaction was in the words of the Father and fellowship with Him. What did Jesus need to motivate Him in His ministry before He did anything? Was that His baptism? He not only had fellowship, this dove was coming down in power. The Spirit was so anointing Jesus. He was coming so powerful, and He remained. Christ's life is a picture of a Spirit-filled life. Oh, but He needed something more. It wasn't just the fellowship with the Father, the feeling of His love. It was the very fact that the Father says, You are my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. It was the Word of God that gave Christ the fortitude when faced with rejection to know I know whom I believe I know what God has said and I live by what he said and what I see friends how are you going to live your life for Jesus if it's going to be I merely stick around because I feel good well then you will never face sin You'll never face your flesh. You'll never face the world. You'll never face down the devil. You'll always be the kind of person that's led along by their feelings of this is comfortable for me. Friends, the kingdom's not comfortable. The kingdom calls for transformation and change. Now, does it lead to a glorious way of living? Amen. But if you think it equals what this world wants of mere big houses, big cars, the American dream, you will be utterly disappointed. It goes far higher. It goes far longer. It goes far wider. And friends, the measure of a person's life before God is not the possessions. It's not what people think about you. It is your obedience to him, my friends. It is your willingness to take up your cross like Christ did and be crucified. That's greatness. Ah, oh, but there's two more. There's two more. Are, are you hard-hearted this morning? Is your heart rocky? In other words, it's being led by experiences, sensations. Or is it a thorny heart? The third one comes through. He says, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Friends, The thorny heart is the heart that has competition in it. Can I say, this is me. I'm being tough on you this morning, but I'm also being tough on me. Because friends, if I had to open up my heart and if I had to look at your hearts too, we live in a culture, we live in a way of living called consumerism. We live in a way of capitalism. It tells you that the more you have of this world, the more important you are. Friends, that's not how the kingdom works. And the riches of this world, the cares of this world, and desire for other things choke a kingdom-minded, kingdom-priority perspective. If you weigh up your life by these things, you will never amount to much in the kingdom. What do I mean by the cares of this world? Well, it's being 
obsessed with what we will eat, what we will drink, and what we will wear. That's the essence of it. What does it mean by the deceitfulness of riches? It means that you get drawn into the lie that by having more money, more than what you need, you will ultimately fulfill a kingdom desire of perfect happiness and joy. But they don't match. They don't match. It's deceitful. Because the world weighs you up by their standards. But God's saying, no. But this is the, the crux of it all. The desire for other things that Jesus is. What does that mean? Guys, it means this. And we have to check in. We have to garden our hearts regularly. Any of you good gardeners here? Can you put up your hand quickly? Here we go. You know how quickly weeds started coming, hey? I tried to pull one out the other day. They're awful things. But the reality is this, is if you don't garden regularly, what you will find is there will be increasing competition for what really matters in your heart. Desire means value. Friends, when it talks about desire for other things, it's saying, what are you valuing in your life? And this is the point, is what can start to happen is this temporal mindset of, of, of what the world runs after and the deceitfulness of riches rather than the eternal word, the eternal life, the eternal home you're going to, your eternal relationship with Jesus. All of that starts to play a secondary role to this, this growing desire to be matched up to what is passing away. I feel jealous for you this morning. One day we are going to present you before Jesus. And the last thing I want him to say is that we gave our lives to things that didn't matter. Friends, Proverbs 4 says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. This time is fast closing. How are you living your life? What are you measuring success by? What are the value systems you are looking and saying, because I value these things, I make these decisions. If it is kingdom, my friend, you're being set up for a glorious reward. If it is the standards of this world and the thinking and pattern, as Romans 12 verse 1 says, of, of, of this world, you are going to have a miserable entrance into this glorious afterlife. We must expect that there's going to be competition, but we have to be good gardeners. Because the last is this. What we want is the fourth response. It is the soft, sincere heart. Listen to this. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. They bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. What does it mean here? What does it mean to have a, a soft, sincere heart? It means when God comes with his revealed word into your life, you not only understand it, you apply it. You match it with faith. You say, I believe. And you show your application, your acceptance of this word by translating that into change. It is called bearing fruit. And friends, today, I want to point out that we should be able over periods of time to see change. I've seen it in many of you. But the point is, can you see it's measurable? Jesus says 30-fold, 60-fold, 
a hundredfold. You can see change. And he's not talking about, in this case, assurance of salvation. He's talking about fruitfulness. And it's off the back of your salvation. Christian, or first of all, I'm going to say to the not yet believer, you need to be born again to have any access to what I'm talking about this morning. But for the one who has believed... It's to result in fruitfulness. It's to result in change. Change from the inside out. And you should be able to see, well, in that area, over a long period of time, a 30-fold, a 60-fold, a 100-fold change. It's observable and it's measurable. And can you see it in your life? Can you see it? And, and I do want to point out, the reason why I'm, 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 I'm giving myself to this scripture this morning is because so few finally actually translate to change. And I'm jealous for you this morning. I want Sterling to get a hundredfold. <laughs> Can I just point out the stats? I'm almost done. You've, you, I'm almost done. Can I just point out the stats to you this morning? 25%, according to this parable, translated into some sort of change in their lives. But within that 25%, there's a 30-fold, a 60-fold, and a 100-fold. And what that means is this. is If you had to just take basic percentages of the entire amount to receive the word, only 8.3% converted into 30-fold. 30, 30 only 8.3% converted into 60-fold. And only 8.3% converted into 100-fold. That's less than 1 in 10. My friends, that means if you are going to go with the status quo, you're going to get nowhere. But if you are willing to face the loneliness of what it means to walk with Jesus when others aren't, when you will hold to the word of God and say, this is God's word of life to me. And I'm not matching its value by what the world says. I'm matching its value by what the kingdom says. This is a secret being revealed to me. It is the greatest honor of my life. If you will give yourself it, you will be in the minority, but you'll be in the minority that will reach glory with much to receive, my friends. You will feel lonely. You will feel misunderstood. You will feel disappointed in other people's spirituality. You will go through mourning. You will experience a sense of pride. Why isn't anybody else matching you with hunger? And it's a dangerous position because you can either become a finger pointer or you can become a prayer warrior. Friends, today I want to point out to you who you're going to be in the parable. The offended person gets nowhere. The feeling good person gets nowhere. The person who's driven by this world gets nowhere. Ah, oh, it's the one who's willing to say, I accept, I receive. And, and Luke translates it into four very helpful phrases. How do you want to have a soft heart today? It's just four little phrases you can remember and you can check in on from time to time. I'll read it to you, actually. It's land on what, what God is offering us here this morning. Anybody can have it. Oh, but I do want to warn you, Jesus said, it's the narrow path, few find it. It's the narrow path, few find it. But if you want to find it this morning, this is how you do it. Luke 8 verse 15 says, As for that that fell in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You hold it fast. You know, the picture I get was when I got a treat from my parents, it wasn't often, I clutched it so tight that my hands sweated around it. Remember that? Someone gave you a gift, you can't ply it from that kid's hand. And if it was a chocolate, it melted because they gripped it so hard. You hold it fast, not just with your head, but your heart. There's determination. There's effort 
there's perseverance to grab hold of that which God is giving. He's actually done the hard work. He's asking you just to lay hold of it. <laughs> Eagerness and desire. An honest heart. Friends, that means every part of your life is open to God. You say, God, there's no dibs. You have free dibs on every part of my life. And friends, he has a way of getting at you with such kindness. This week, a friend of mine had to point out, I said, Matt, I just have to raise something in your, there's a bit of a, let's just put it in my words, there's a sin issue here in the way that you are relating to certain people. And in that moment, it was grace to me. So thankful. Lord, yes, you're working in me. I'm accessible. I receive it. I grab hold of it with an honest heart. There is no area of my life God cannot touch. And it's a good heart. That means we want to please him. Do you want to please him this morning? That's a person who's after his words, not after his works. If you're after his works, well, it's how can you please me, Jesus? But if you're after his words, it's how can I please you? That's a good heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for that shall see God. Friends, will you hold it fast? Will it be in an honest heart? Will it be in a good heart? And will you exercise patience? You know what patience means to me is there's going to be times when I get it wrong, but I get up and I carry on and I keep persevering. We fall in the kingdom of grace, but we don't stay fallen. We, we get up. We have grace to stand. In the help of need, we come to his throne of grace. We keep going. When the Spirit reminds us of all truth, we're responsive. Our patience is not perfection, friends. Our patience is a willingness to even pick ourselves up and to keep going. And over a period of time, being willing to wait for the fruit to come. We don't doubt in the darkness what we've seen in the light. We don't criticize God when he takes his time or delay. We don't point the finger. We don't look for excuses to give up. We hold to what God has said. We hold to his living word. The seed has fallen and we're going to hold on to it with all of our heart, with honesty and goodness and with patience. And friends, it's that patience factor that leads to whether it's 30, 60, or 100 fold. You know why the 30 stop yielding? It's because they cut too soon. It's the 60 and the 100 that go, we're going to go for the full harvest. <laughs> Is that you this morning? Let's pray. I want to just translate this into a couple of questions for you. The first is, can you still hear God's voice? The scariest thing in our lives is to be a prolonged silence from the Lord. I ask you this morning, can you still hear his voice? In other words, when last did he speak to you? And friends, there are two problems that can come. One is either you are not responding to the basic voice of God, which is the gospel. Friends, is there anybody watching today or listening or in this building that has yet to respond to Christ's word where you have to believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The longer you take to come to that place of faith, the harder it will be. And I don't know how much time you have, but I'm asking you, will you respond to Jesus this morning? It's time now. Today is a day of salvation. The command of God to you is, is to repent and believe the gospel. It's time. It's not your mommy's decision or your daddy's decision. It's not someone, it's yours to make, my friends. And today you must believe the gospel. That is God's word to you. But for the rest of us who have believed, this morning I ask you, when last has he spoken to you?
And what have you done with that? Sandy shared this morning how important it was to be obedient. God is gracious. He speaks over and over. But over a period of time, it gets harder to hear. Can you remember the last thing he said to you? Might have been the simplest thing. Could have been this morning. For many of us, it's what he said right now. What has the Lord been saying to you in this sermon? Which soil is in your heart? What is he calling you to? What is he encouraging you to? What is he calling you to put right? Now is the time to do it. Now is the time. Oh Lord, we want soft hearts this morning. We want hearts that are responsive to the Spirit. We want hearts, Lord, that are receptive and obedient. And I'm grateful, Lord, you build into our salvation space for weakness. It's called the Counselor. It's called the Spirit of God. And I pray, Lord, today that we would value His work in our lives like never before. That wherever the light shines from the Spirit, we're willing to look and see and own. And I pray, Lord, for us as Sterling, Lord, we don't know when you're coming back. It could be this week. It could be tonight. It could be this at lunchtime today. We want to be ready. We want to be ready. We want to be driven by what you're driven by. Lord, you promised to look after the stuff that we get stressed about. As long as we give ourselves to the things that really matter, Lord, you promise. Your, your promises are yes and amen to the one who's in need today. My friends, you seek first the kingdom and all these other things. They'll be added unto you. The Lord will be faithful. You give yourself to the joy of what really matters, and you'll, be never, the, never same, you'll never be the same again. Help us be that kind of people, Lord. Living in the light of what is about to happen at any moment. And might we have a glorious entry. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to close off our time in responding. If you just want to actually stay seated, I don't mind. If you want to let the Lord minister you however you want, but we're going to have an opportunity to respond in worship. Prize whatever the Lord has said to you this morning. It's a secret. Yeah, I believe there's a, there's a call for repentance this morning. Just feel like that's what the Lord was saying to me, but to repent from any sinful and wrong desires and motives and, and hardness in our hearts. Repentance from, from not knowing, not realizing, not remembering the incredible worth of the revelation of Jesus, of the revelation of His Word that He has given us by His Spirit. When we get so sidetracked and look at other things and lose our contentment, we, we lose our joy because we feel that somehow we are lacking something. But yet we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing through Christ. And so, Father, as we sing now, I pray that our hearts would be soft and open before you. And we turn away from the things that don't please you, that distract us, that draw our desires and our our hearts away from, from you and from your word. And I pray that as we sing this, that it would be a prayer of our hearts to turn our eyes back to you and to what really matters. So Holy Spirit, come and transform us. We need you, Lord.
vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Thou my best Lord by day or by night, waking or sleeping, Thy presence my Thou my wisdom and Thou my true word, I ever with Thee and Thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father and I Thy true Son, Thou in me dwelling and I with Thee. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only the first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure. King of heaven, my victory's won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O Still come work in our hearts.